Pastor for St. Andrew, and it's uh, been a joy to uh, serve this church um, and to be a part of this wonderful ministry that we call Bluffton Worship. We are so happy you're here, and as Aaron pointed out, if you're new to us, um, we welcome you. We hope you feel comfortable, but most importantly, we hope you feel that this is a place where you can truly worship our God and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and be a part of this community of faith. What we're going to do today... um, is we're going to begin with prayer. And as we all know, that the hurricane um, hit uh, the northern part of South Carolina, the coast, as well as the southern part of North Carolina's coast. And we are in constant prayer for our brothers and sisters in Christ. I want you to know that um, one of the benefits of being in the United Methodist Church is we get to be a part of wonderful ministries that we call UMCOR and, and UMVIM. And there's many, many ministries uh, that ERT are emergency response training teams, we have people prepared in our conference to go and serve uh, the areas that are most affected by a hurricane. That being said, one of the things I I wanted to personally talk about is that we have heard from our brothers and sisters at First Zion that they would like to, um, First Zion Baptist Church, kind of our our church that we do a lot of ministry with, they would like to partner up with us and provide um, flood buckets and cleaning kits. The reason they came to us about this was because they were benefits benefited greatly when Hurricane Matthew came and we had flood buckets. We were able to give a lot of their members of their church flood buckets and cleaning kits, and they want to give back. So I want to challenge you. Um, way we're going to do this is I don't have the information out for you today, but what we're going to do is we're going to provide it on our website and on our Facebook pages, or you can call the church office. If you'd like to be a part of this, we're just going to collect items. It doesn't have to be the whole kit doesn't have to be the whole thing. We're just going to tell you some items that we need. We're going to compile those items, and then we're going to drive to Florence, South Carolina, where it's basically as a post where we'll be able to get the flood bucket uh, materials and cleaning kits to the people that are in need. So pray about how that you can be a part of that. Um, again, just all you need to do is go on our Facebook page or our website or call the church office and talk to Megan, Kalen, or any of the staff there, and we'll help direct you on what you can do to help help folks that are in need. Um, the one thing about this ministry is they are always the la- we are always the last people there on site. So this is something that we're going to be doing for a while now. As you know, the waters are still up in a lot of the places, and they still haven't had a chance to even get in there. So um, that being said, it's going to be a long process, and we can use all the prayer and help that, this, uh, that our community of faith throughout the state and throughout North Carolina are going to be in need of. Now this time, let us um, turn to our Lord, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we are thankful for this day. This is a new day in which you have made, and Lord, we rejoice in it. We're thankful for all that you're doing in us and through us. We're thankful for this community of faith that we call the church. We thank you for all the many ways, Lord, that you transform us, that you help us more to be more than conquerors through you. We thank you, God, that you just don't um, just leave us where we are, but you are a God of, of true love, grace, and compassion. You're a God that changes our hearts and transforms us to not only live in this world, to, but to share your gospel in this world, to this world, and be a part of your kingdom of God. God, we know that there's a lot of folks that are in need, people in our congregation that are hurting, that are in the hospital, people that are just 
constantly struggling to figure out their place in this world and in this life. We also lift up to you, Lord, those in our own congregations, but also those that we know that are struggling. We pray for our country. We pray for our town. We pray for our state. We pray for all those that are in need. We lift them up to you, Lord. We lift up our leaders that they may be, may be transformed, inspired, and molded by you, Lord Jesus. And so now we go to you. We thank you for all that you are and all that we have. And I ask, Lord, that the words upon my lips and the words upon all of our lips and the meditations of our hearts in this message today may be focused on you, may come from you. O Lord Jesus, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we're starting a new series today, and I must say I'm excited about it. I always say that with a new series, and y'all are probably getting tired of me saying I'm excited about it, but I really am excited about this new series. I'm going to tell you where it all came from. Y'all all know a little bit about, well, not all, some of you that might know, those that are brand new probably don't know, that my life has kind of changed a little bit over the past couple of weeks. Um, actually, my life has changed over the past couple of months. But we have a new addition to our family, Hollis Kate Burbage. She's um, now, I believe, I don't know, I'm going to get in trouble for this one, three weeks old, I think. It all kind of runs together. Um, I can't believe he's already, she's already three weeks old. And it's quite changed our life um, in great ways, but it's still changed our life. We've had to do a lot of stuff in our own life that has made it very different than it was a couple months ago. I'm not, I'm not sleeping as much as I used to, so y'all are going to be in for a really good show today. Um, not able to be as everywhere that I thought I could be, and we're having to do a lot more things right now than I ever thought I'd have to do. Um, Kelly had a C-section, so she's been kind of homebound, hadn't been able to drive. It's been changed. My heart and my life has changed. And I feel in a way I like I'm on my own TV show. I feel like I almost feel like I live in my own reality show in the sense that my life has been changed and turned over. And so I thought to myself, if my life has been changed and turned over, I imagine there's a lot of people who feel the same way. Or maybe they want a change in their life, and they don't know exactly how that's going to happen. And so I was watching the live stream, which, by the way, welcome those that are on live stream. If you're here, we're so happy you're a part of that. But we started live stream a couple weeks ago, last week for the first time. And I watched the live stream video. And I thought it looked awesome. I'm so thankful for all the people did to make it happen. But one thing that struck me is that we've had the same stage and we've had the same setup and everything's looked the same. And I thought to myself, maybe our church is in need of a little bit of a makeover. Notice I didn't say a big one. I don't want you running out for those that don't like change. But we want to do something a little different. And then I thought about the shows, like Extreme Makeover, Home Edition, and all the different ones, um, Trading Spaces, and there's, um, there's tons of different ones. But see, my personal favorites aren't the home ones. I'm not really into all the home decor stuff. It kind of makes me think of work when I think of that stuff. But I'm into, like, Restaurant Impossible, Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares, and my all-time favorite, which I'm going to be in trouble for saying this, is Bar Rescue. I love Bar Rescue. It's not something I would encourage your children to watch necessarily. But basically the premise of Bar Rescue is, and I kind of relate this a little bit of church, but I'll go there later. We are in a bar, by the way, uh, old bar, is that Bar Rescue's whole premise is you have this guy named John Taffer who's obnoxious, 
who's um, very much a uh, professional in what he does, and he comes into bars. He, he, before he even gets in there, he does surveillance and finds out how restaurants and bars, the bars that they ask to come help, are failing and falling apart. And he goes in and, like a whirlwind, changes everything. And what's amazing to watch, and this is why I like it, is how the people adjust and adapt to the changes. Because the reason they need to change is something they're doing is leading to the fact that their business isn't successful. So in order to make a change, in order to be successful, in order to truly grow and do what they're supposed to be doing, they have to make some changes. And I love watching people struggle through that, not because it gives me pleasure, but because it makes me think about how the fact that we as human beings really don't do well with change. We don't do well with growth. We don't do well necessarily with changing our lives. And, our, and, 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 and honestly, we struggle when it comes to our own faith with this. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to be, in a sense, kind of like one of those shows. We're going to talk about various aspects of making over your life or making over your life, particularly when it comes to your faith. And we're going to talk about how it affects not only your personal life, but your church, your community of faith, your work, wherever you find yourself, and how God has a way of transforming our hearts and making us over to be who God created us to ultimately be. Now, today we're going to begin with inspection. And today, in particular, we're going to talk about how God inspects our heart. In all those shows that we watched, and all this, if you watch them, you'll know that they usually begin with the first day. And the first day is typically an inspection where someone goes in and sees the problem and inspects it and brings the problem, tells the, per, the owner of the business or the owner of the home, or even if it's a personal makeover show, the, the, they, they bring attention to the fact that something's not right and they point out all the problems. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had inspections in my own life, in my own house. When we bought our house, we had an inspection, and it's a pretty invasive thing. And if you think about inspections, none of us like to be inspected. I mean, lately, our house hasn't been perfect because this little baby. And so we've been so, so thankful to have so many wonderful people bring us food and check in on us. But it's been, in, been a little bit hard for us because we're thinking, oh, my God, I didn't make this bed. Or, oh, my goodness, Hamill Henry's toys are out. Oh my goodness, they're going to see my kitchen. Oh my goodness, they might see me in my pajamas. Stressful stuff. And you feel as if you're being inspected and judged. Not that any of you people here would ever judge me, right? But it feels that way. And it made me think about, we feel like we struggle with inspection in every aspect of our lives, don't we? We feel like we're being inspected by our friends we're inspected by our parents. We're inspected by our family. We're ins- even sometimes we feel inspected by our own children. We're ins- we feel as if people are judging us based on how we look, how we act. People judge us and inspect us in our jobs. And even the times in the church we feel as if we're being inspected. So the question is, when it comes to our faith, what does it mean to truly be inspected? Who's doing the inspecting and why? And why is it important to go through a process of inspection. So let me show you, number one, what it should not look like to be inspected. Hi, thank God you're here. How are you, mate? These two blokes are workplace safety inspectors. They say they want to have a chat. Uh, all right, guys, he's here. This is our foreman. Morning. How you going? 
Just doing a routine inspection. Yeah, I can see that. Um, what are you building here? Uh, a building, mate. <laughs> yeah, what type of building? One to put stuff in. Right. We've got a few concerns about your building site. Oh, yeah, really? Well, fire away. Boss, we've got nothing to hide, do Nothing we? to hide here. Nothing to hide. Okay, well, let's start with the most obvious. Most yeah. uh, building sites will have a sign out the front that says uh, no entry, authorised yep. persons only. Yep. Uh, your sign says construction site, mm. safety is for sissies. <laughs> Boys, I said this is for the Christmas party, guys. I'll just give that back to you then. What do you, what do you think I'm noticing over here? Well, that bloke not doing a lot of work. Paying <laughs> him. Get back to it, seriously. There is no safety barrier? No. Nah. What happens if I just step off the edge? Mate, you're knackered if you do that. <laughs> And, and this, this gentleman here. Yeah, Trev. Could you please point to one piece of protective clothing he's oh, wearing? Oh, God, look at this. What's that? Look at that. Because if it ever gets sunny indoors, he's ready to go. No UV. He's not wearing a helmet. What if a girder was to fall on his head? A few years ago, uh, Trev had an operation on his brain and they removed his skull and they put in an iron one made of, made of metal. He's effectively got his own hard hat. He's supposed to be wearing steel cap boots. Iron legs. A few years ago, Trev had an accident. <laughs> Lost both his legs and they're made of uh, iron ones for replacement. Well, what do you call these? Legs. That's why. I... Yeah, the boots are on the bottom, mate. They're made of rubber. I mean, mm. what, what's he going to do if a brick lands on it? Yeah, but what happens if a beach lands on it? He's going to be prepared. <laughs> You're always thinking about, you know, the obvious stuff. What about, like, you know, if he's around a pool? <laughs> welder. Can we have a word with him, please? Yeah, no worries. Hey, Mick, can you come down here a minute, please? Hi, Mick. Okay, what do you think we're noticing about this gentleman? He's a man-child. <laughs> he looks about 12 years old. Yeah, I know. Straight what, what would a 12-year-old boy be doing on a building site? Exactly, I wouldn't have one, not in a fit. Well, he looks 12. He's 53. Have <laughs> a can, mate, knock off, you've done great today. All right, I'm going to make this simple on you. Point to one thing that shows that you're taking workplace safety seriously. Yeah, we've got a safety officer. Hey, Vinny! Your safety officer is doing stunts. What message does this send to your other workers? That one day, if they work hard enough, they could be Vinny. <laughs> OK, I'm going to make this even more simple. Could you give us one reason why we shouldn't shut down this site right now? Look at these bikes' faces. Do you want these guys back in jail? <laughs> <laughs> OK, so not how you should do an inspection and not how you should receive an inspection. So, Are good stuff. Are you sure that that's not how inspections go? Because I know in my own life, a lot of times it's a little disorganized, and uh, a lot of times I feel a little chaotic, just like those people well, on the video. true, Monica. I think part of it is that if we are in denial of being inspected, which is in this case is what happened, uh, and, well, not your case, of course, <laughs> never. Okay. But on the video, that yes, it would go very bad. But also, inspections in general are painful, I think.
I think so too. And I think that's why um, we lean on the Bible and we lean on our faith in order to guide us through. I really love what Psalm 51 says. It says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. You desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with, the, with a hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. So, so what you see in Psalm 51 is exactly what I want everyone to get and understand when it comes to dealing with your faith. Faith is a process. Um, John Wesley called it a way of salvation, that um, God is always, God's grace is always available to every single one of us. He called it um, preventative grace or prevenient grace. In other words, before you even recognize that God's love is there and God cares about you and God's grace is there, that it, it, before you even see it, God's grace is there and God's love is there. And so the main thing that I think Psalm 51 says to me, and I, and I imagine if you, and I love the fact that you like it, Mark, because I think it, it'll speak to you, especially when, you're, when we struggle with the pain of feeling like we're constantly being judged or constantly dealing with inspection in our own lives. But when it comes to our faith, What's important is who actually is our inspector. Who's actually inspecting us? Instead of the world, instead of people, instead of ourselves, what Psalm 51 describes and points out is it's God and God's steadfast love that washes us and cleanses us, that judges us, that transforms us, that purges us. And and, and that is a, a very important, distinctive point to make because God's way of transforming us and God's way of inspecting us is unlike any other way because God is the one who knows us so deeply and so amazingly. Well, and the reality is, is that everybody inspects us. I yes, mean, our um, congregation inspects us. No, our, this tr- they, don't, they don't judge us at all. Here, <laughs> um, so. I know other moms inspect us, other dads inspect us, our peers inspect us at school, mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel that comfortable. It doesn't feel as good as when God is inspecting us. No, because one part is that people don't do well with change, mm. and so, or, or people don't do well with people that are different than them. And so oftentimes we judge and inspect others that we are uncomfortable around or we are uncomfortable with the way we do things. I remember when we first came into this building and we moved from USCB to here, it was a stressful time just because we just made some basic changes. We had to because of new space, new lighting, new everything, and it was hard. And so it is difficult, and I think you're right. It's very relieving and powerful to know that the kind of inspection that God does in our life is different than when the world inspects and the world judges. So that being said, I think that what really we have to understand is the way God works and the way Psalm 51 describes is there's two main things that Psalm 51 points out 
that I think other scripture undergirds and other scripture points out when it comes to introspection and to inspection. And that is that God searches us, um, first of all. And, and, and I want to go to that point now. God searches for us. You know, oftentimes the world thinks the church is against everything and against other people. In fact, the most times the church is in the news for what we are against versus what we are for. Yet we serve a God who searches for us. And that's what makes God's love so amazing and unique. I'm going to read to you Psalm 139 and then Luke 19:10 about how God searches for us. It says, "Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, oh Lord, you know it completely." And then in Luke 19, Jesus says this, For the Son of Man came to seek out, like search out and, and discover and to save the lost. You keep saying this word search. And whenever I think about, you know, we're talking about building and we're talking about right. um, inspections. And, and if I think about searching for something, more likely than not, I'm not going to find something good if I'm doing an inspection, right? Yeah, like right. you're searching through rubble. You're going to find something dirty. You're going to find something moldy. You're going to find something that's just icky, right? right? Absolutely. And not only that, but like when you use the word search and that God's going to search me, God knows me the best out of anyone in this planet. And I'm kind of worried about what he's going to find if he is searching me, <laughs> The thing that I lean on is I know if he's searching that he's the one that most likely is going to possibly find some treasure in all of this dirt too. Right, absolutely. In fact, the, the key word for search in Scripture uh, describes um, the act of digging, um, cultivating. And so when it says God searches us and God knows us, and when in Jesus says, I come to seek out, what, there's, what he's describing and what the, what the uh, psalm is describing is, is, that is, is something that only our Savior can do, only God can do. And I don't know about you, but for me, it's relieving to know that it's God that's doing the searching because God's the one who created us. Mm -hmm. God, the one who loves us so much that he died for us in Jesus Christ. And, and because it's God that's doing the inspecting, yes, it's painful, and yes, it's uncomfortable, and yes, maybe a little embarrassing, but... God already knows our embarrassments, already knows our brokenness, already knows the things that we try to hide from him. And unlike the world that we try to protect ourselves from, God already knows what's in our heart. That's what Psalm 139 talks about. It says, you search and know me. You know when I sit up, you know when I rise up and, and rise down. And in fact, it even points out later on in Psalm 139 that God knits us. God knows us from the womb, like 51 points out, that God knew us before we were even born. God knew us. And so the way God searches us is through, those types of, so, through that type of love. And I think that's so important to point out. Well, even in Luke 19, I'm going to reread that. Luke uh, 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. Right there, I think we're reminded that, you know, we're one of many in this world. Mm -hmm. But we're not lost on God. He's always going to find time to inspect us and to help us renovate ourselves and help us to remodel our hearts. I mean, you look at his interactions with people like Zacchaeus in Scripture or, or the women at the well or all the folks that Jesus had an encounter with. It wasn't the type of encounters that we sometimes think um, 
people of faith will judge us like, or the church will judge us like, or, or people at work will judge us like, or even family will judge us like. Instead, what Jesus does is he builds a relationship with the folks. And he loves them, and he lets it be very clear that the kind of love that Christ has for us is a love that breaks down all barriers, breaks down all problems, breaks down all walls that we put up. It's you know, powerful, as you so. were saying that, it made me think, I think all of the inspection and all the judgment that we feel in the outside world from other people is the very thing that makes us feel inadequate to God. That's Those are the point. things, the barriers that we put up in our lives where we don't feel good enough for God to even inspect us to make us even better. And that's so powerful about John Wesley's understanding of faith is that the Holy Spirit is already breaking down those barriers before we even realize it's happening. That God's already there before we even know it. And so when he describes the way of salvation, he talks about all these different steps for those that are a little bit OCD or those a little bit type A. But the basic point that Wesley makes is that we have a God through the Holy Spirit, uh, through Jesus Christ, that knows our hearts more than we even know our own hearts. Um, And I think that's a powerful point. And, in, and really, to, to, to kind of talk about what else God does through inspection, it leads us to how God opens our hearts. And, and, and God is willing and able to open our hearts. Um, the passage of Scripture that, that really makes this second point um, comes in Acts 6, 16, 14. Let me set a little bit of the context before we dive into it. So Jesus has, re- has died. Jesus is resurrected. Um, Jesus... Yeah, I mean, Jesus has risen. He's ascended, I'm sorry. He's ascended into heaven. Um, and so he leaves all of the disciples to do the ministry of the church. And he basically says, your job at hand is greater than mine. Your job at hand is going to be the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. Because I'm going to be working through you. And the Holy Spirit's going to be working through you. And so the book of Acts tells the story of how the disciples and the apostles start spreading this message of grace and love, and, and they themselves start um, really changing the community and environment around them. And Paul, this guy named Paul is a significant part of Acts because you start seeing where Paul and Peter and all of them go, people start changing their lives. And this uh, passage of Scripture in Acts 16 is one verse where you see an encounter that changes the life of a, of a, of a woman. Um, Acts 16 verse 14 says, One of the, those listening was a woman from the city of Theatria and named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. Now, it's important to note she's a Gentile. She's not, um, she is not a um, follower of Christ. Um, she's, she's completely out, um, someone that has no real understanding of really the Jewish faith or any of the background that people like Paul and them had. And so it says, she, but they said she was a worshiper of God. And then the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Now notice that. God opened her heart. And when it comes to inspection, and when it comes to the understanding that God is going to do something in your life, and God knows you and searches you, I think it's helpful to understand that God opens our hearts. And, and so the question I want us to, to kind of chew on is, what does that actually look like to have God open your heart, have Christ open your heart? Well, I think if uh, Christ is opening your heart, it's not just going to be glorious, and it's not just going to be fantastic. It's going to uncover things that are really uncomfortable, and it's going to take you through a very long process. I'm kind of scared to think about how long of a process it's going to be. But, you know, it's funny. When you do stuff like this, right, we started planning this series, 
And it's funny how life kind of <laughs> falls into place, quite literally falls into place. So as we're deciding to do this makeover um, sermon series, me and Jim seem to be in the midst of a, an unexpected makeover at our own house. <laughs> um, so I have a, an awesome picture of what we uh, have been doing for the last two days. Um, uh. We're not contractors. We're not, um, we are, <laughs> we're not plumbers. Um, but we have a bit of a problem in our master bathroom. <laughs> oh, my. And, um, and so in order to get to the problem, you have to really uncover the stuff that's there. And there's a lot of tile. There's a lot of grout. There's a lot of um, mold. There's a lot of... Uh, other stuff that's disintegrating in our hands <laughs> as we continue the process. Um, and now that you told me that this process takes a very long time, yeah. I'm really uncomfortable with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Kelly is also very uncomfortable when we start projects in our own home. Because oftentimes we think it's something going to be small, it ends up being a big deal. And then it overwhelms us um, and because then we realize we don't have a lot of time and it's, it's painful and it's uncomfortable and it's inconvenient. And so when it comes to opening your heart, yes, that is a part of it. And by the way, when you showed me the picture of it earlier today or last night when I saw it, it's a lot different on a big screen. So I, I, <laughs> I know you can take it down. Yeah. This is like making me a little anxious. As I'm not even ask, ask you what part of that bathroom is. I think that must be the shower. <laughs> so, yes, it is a, um, it's invasive. But, yes, it's difficult. Yes. But, you know, even with uncovering it, we recognize that we are not experts. No. We're not contractors. We're not plumbers. And we know somewhat of what we're doing, but we really don't. We're not experts of anything. And so we really have to rely on other people. We have to do the work ourselves. We right. have to rely on each other in order to do that and make the time and the effort to do that. But we really have to seek out people and their wisdom and their guidance in order to get it well, first to uncover, but then also to get it back to functioning and back to something that's going to be good in our lives. Yeah, I mean, I think that the key is um, of, of any of this is that, for one, it's a process. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. I feel like um, if you think about your faith is that you go through the inspection process every day. It's, it's not something that you just happen to have once. Uh, God doesn't just get to know you and searches you once and then you're done. God's searching you all the time. God's opening you up all the time. Um, one of the, my big struggles I have with um, the church is oftentimes you get a message from people like myself that all you got to do is come to the altar once, give yourself to Jesus, and all is well. And, and, and that sounds good, um, but when you actually, for a lot of folks that have done that, they realize that it's not one and done, that you still have a life to live. You still have problems to deal with. You still need your heart opened and so what I prefer, and thankfully be a, we're a part of a church that understands, I believe understands this, is that faith is a process, it's not a moment. Faith is, um, and, and so God is constantly knowing us and inspecting us and opening our hearts and our minds. And I think it's an important part about opening our hearts. And when you see this in the scripture, it says, Lord, open her heart. Oftentimes our hearts are closed. Oftentimes our eyes are closed. Oftentimes we are closed and when you see the word heart in Scripture through the Old Testament and the New Testament, heart doesn't mean just your, the, the organ that pumps your, in your body that, that gives your life and blood. In fact, what the Scripture understands heart to be is it basically encompasses your whole body, your whole mind, your core, your central part of who you are. And so isn't it comforting to know when you read Scripture 
and, you hear, and you're a part of a church and you understand that God is willing and able to do that. God is willing and able to open not only my heart and your heart, but all of our hearts. He's willing to open up the, uh, the parts of our life that we don't want others to see. And he's willing to spend the time, not just a day, not just a moment, but the time being a part of the renovating of our lives. And it's, it's mostly important or comforting to me to know because he's going to meet me 100% with grace, whereas other people might not meet me there. No. So as he's searching, as he's digging, and as he's opening, all of that's going to be done in grace. So there's no judgment. And, it, and the great thing about God's grace, it's not cheap. It's not, um, it's not something that, you know, it's one and done. God's grace is, um, is, is this amazing life that God gives us of forgiveness, of transformation, that, of, 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 of acceptance, of, um, of, of accountability. God's grace is something that we can respond to and we can be transformed through. And so what we've basically done today is try to summarize a very important part of Wesley's way of salvation, and Wesley understood how, we, how the process of salvation works, and it begins with God searching you and knowing you. And, and that, again, it doesn't end with that either. God continues to search you and know you. And that really kind of brings up to what we're doing, and you can kind of share with us a little bit. I've kind of, I've kind of teased already, but so what's going to happen for the next couple of weeks, do you think? So over the next, well, three weeks after this, we right. are going to continue to talk about the renovation process in our lives and in our faith and in our hearts, but we're also going to somewhat transform our space a little bit. So each week, I know um, some of you, again, love change and maybe are um, apprehensive about it. So some of you might love this <laughs> love table here. Love in a sarcastic way, right? Yeah. yeah some yeah. of you might like this table here, and then some of you are like, why did they put that on the stage? Some of you might look and say, um, why can't they just decide on a rug? Why do they have to have three of them up here? Well, we're in the the um, the inspection time, right? Yes. We're we're trying to to try new things before we settle on exactly what we're going to do. I don't know if I like sitting in a chair the whole time during service or if we're going to stand. Right. Who knows? But each week, um, you have to look forward to something different, physically changing in this space and, and yeah. experiencing it. I'll with tell you us. something really funny about that. We um. The first thing that stood out to me on the live stream that I was wanting to fix and change was the um, soundproofing, the black things in the back, because we had to put that there when we first got here because we had drums, and, and the band really appreciates it because it helps the sound. So I went before anyone showed up one morning, I, I got in there, and I was like, all right, I'm going to see what, if I can remove some of, the, um, of this, and it's glued. <laughs> it's all glued. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. So it, it was a good reminder from the Lord <laughs> that changing something is not going to be simple. Just the idea of, of renovating or doing whatever we do, it's something we all need to do constantly, but at the same time, it's not going to necessarily be an easy go. And I think it's going to be cool that we get to go through this together. That's right. Not only in worship, but also this whole space, but also we're hoping to challenge our youth group, mm -hmm. our, um, our children's ministry, um, our children, our youth, and all of you about ways that you can get on board with how God is changing you and transforming you. That's right. So what I want to do is I want to close in prayer. And a way I want to do that is through Psalm 51. You'll see Psalm 51 in the end of your GPS, but also we'll have it up on the screen as well. And it's created me a clean heart, O oh God, and put a new right spirit within me. There's a, um, a really great 
um, church tradition called uh, community called Taze. And when I first started um, ministry back in a long time ago, um, <laughs> I, I was a part of a youth group that went to a Taze service. And some of you probably don't like repetitive chanting music. But um, what they do is they take a passage of scripture and they say it over and over and over again. I'm not going to make you do that. But I would like for you to pray with me this prayer, this, this psalm. We're going to do it three times and we're going to do it together. And this is going to be our closing prayer. Would you do this with me now? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Create in me a new heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. My hope is through the next couple of days and the next couple of weeks that you pray that prayer, you say saying it over and over again, and you open your hearts to God searching in you and be open to what God is going to do in your life, in your personal life, in your church life, in your work life, in your everyday life. That's my prayer for you. Thank you, Monica, for being a part of this with us today. So now at this time, we're going to transition into one of the greatest reminders of how God creates a clean heart in us. And that is the sacrament of, we call the sacrament of Holy Eucharist or communion. And what communion really says to me is I keep remembering and thinking about when I think of the Holy Communion, of Christ last night um, before he died on the cross and he had the Passover meal with his disciples, the people he loved dearly, the people he loved the most, the people he knew that followed him, that he cared for. He took that time to teach them something and show them something about his love that he hoped would be something that he would share to others and then for other people to know the kind of way God loves us and the way that God has transformed us. And so what he did is he took, he had a meal and he took bread and he blessed it and then he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. Take and eat. Little did they know that in a couple hours he literally was going to die on the cross and give his body to all to share his life with all, to die for us, to give us new life so that we may be a new creation in him. And then at that same supper, he took a cup, he took wine, and he poured it and said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this as often as you can in remembrance of me. And so what we do every communion is we ask God we go to God in prayer, and this is what we'll do now. We go to God in prayer, and we say to God this, Lord Jesus, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on this bread and this wine, that we may be a new creation in you, that you may cleanse us, may transform us, and we may know your amazing grace. We ask, Lord, that through these elements, that your Holy Spirit reaches us, transforms us, and searches us, and that we know what it means to be loved and to love. And we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, God, for all that you're doing in our lives and for this gift, these gifts of bread and wine. May it be for us the body and blood of you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.